Hi, welcome to the Community Sports Hub podcast with Tim and Johnny. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed episode one uh, with Sam and his adventures in China. This week I'm joined by Gareth Jackson, who is a former RFU community rugby coach and rugby development officer um, in Kent and Surrey. Um, last year, Gareth decided to go and coach abroad and he's currently the head coach of Hamburg Rugby Club. Um, so we have a chat about what took him there, uh, what, it's life, what life is like over in Germany, and compare and contrast uh, the rugby experiences we, we had and he's having um, between Belgium and Germany because they're quite similar. Um, and it's great to catch up with Gareth and hopefully you enjoy the conversation. I'm trying to record. So Gareth Jackson, who you introduced yourself, you you tell tell me a bit about your history before you got to Hamburg and oh the life story. Well, well a bit um... more more rugby, more 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 rugby. <laughs> when did we well, meet? We met in 2014, I think. It was Oxted Costa on the high street. Yes, it was. Um, I had a latte, and I can't remember what you had. Probably hot chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Yes, that might have been it. Um, by the RFU? <laughs> I think, don't think over, so, actually. I think, over, I, think over, but I do think over the period of time that I've chatted to and connected with some RFU coaches like you guys, Costa seems to be the most community <laughs> area everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there is a theme. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, so going back to your question, um, yeah. Gareth Jackson, I'm 31 years old, uh, from a, a little town called Burgess Hill in Sussex, which is just north of Brighton. Um, I started playing when I was four at Burgess Hill, uh, the Sussex All Blacks, um, and then ended up after university, uh, got a job with the RFU as a community rugby coach in Surrey driving my, my mini around um which was, was awesome fun it was a great job and then went to be rugby development officer for rural kent um until the summer uh when covid forced a, a restructure with the rfu and yeah weird really weird story um i was chatting to my cousin who had just moved from tokyo to hamburg so her husband works for Airbus. Just having a chat because I was like, oh, you know, bored in a lockdown. Really like to come and see what Hamburg's all about. And um, she was like, yeah, get yourself a cheap pair of tickets. Come over for a weekend. Stay with us. Really quick, easy little holiday for you. Um, come for the, the Christmas markets and we'll have a good time. And so I just looked at the, the hashtag Hamburg because the tickets were something stupid, um, returned like 40 euros, 40 pounds. I was in the UK then. We had, <laughs> we've got pounds. Um, and yeah, this job advert came up on Instagram and my details from when I flew to Italy last sort of January, February time, just as this was all kicking off, um, had been stolen by someone who had hacked EasyJet's website or database or whatever. Um, and they had taken my like name, my details, 
my passport number, email address, everything, every, absolutely everything. I was getting daily calls, text messages from random numbers, from foreign numbers, you know, like uh, I've got a, a uncle who's left me two million in the bank and all of those sorts of <laughs> random yeah. stuff. And it, it was it was ludicrous. And um, I had a WhatsApp message from another foreign number from a guy called Eric. Um, and I was because at the time I, I was living on site at Sidcup Rugby Club and I was in the gym and I just looked at my phone. I was like, who's this Eric? <laughs> um, and he'd, he'd phoned me as well. And I listened to the voice message and I was like, ah, that's that job I stuck a CV in for. And um, yeah, end of that week, I had a contract offer. Um, the RFU, I was losing my, my position at the RFU and um, it sort of all fell to place. Incredible timing, uh, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, and here I am, still in Hamburg, sunny Hamburg today. It's not... Hamburg. Yeah, it, it can. We had minus seventeen in January, um, and then two weeks later we had eighteen degrees positive. So I was running around in a t-shirt and shorts, and this week it's snowed, hailed, been sunny. My body hasn't got a clue what's going on, and um, I think um, yeah, <laughs> I remember that from Belgium. I remember there was a week in Belgium where. I remember we played away somewhere early morning, kickoff on Sunday, and we were like, it was at 18 degrees. And I was like, oh, this is actually amazing. Week later, the game should not have gone ahead. <laughs> it, was so, it was so stormy. I thought the tree was going to fall off the... And I was like, how can it be so different in like a week in the same country? It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I think the North Sea has a, a lot of play with it. And like coaching with um, the All Schools Project, which you were a part of down yeah. in, in Fanet, Um and I, some really good guys, uh, Carrie Wright was heading up the project for the club yeah, down there. And yeah, great guy. And yeah. um, I just turned up one day and it was raining sideways. It was freezing. It was windy. And um, these kids were running around in a T-shirt and shorts. And Carrie had them playing. He was engaged. And I was just like, I thought I could deal with this. But these kids have shown me... I am soft as anything. And as there was a picture of me about as white as this wall, wearing a coat, a hoodie, a fleece, like gloves. Yeah. I would have worn a scarf if I'd had it. And um, the, the kids had a beaming smiles on their faces. So, um, yeah, I think that if you live in and around the North Sea, it, it toughens you up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think you got a point there. I look, okay. Yeah, I guess I came from Cromer and that's on the North Sea and it's it's a bit crap there sometimes. You never know what you're going to get. So you're saying you're, a t- you're tough? No. <laughs> no, no, no. I just say it, it can toughen you up. Why do you think I moved away so much? Why do you think I moved around so much? I can't handle it. I'm now living inland 100, 100 odd miles. So I'm nowhere near it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that, that's that's really my my sort of career very quickly in a nutshell on how I came to be in in Hamburg so I mean that's, that's, that's awesome what and I said I know we've I know it's been a bit difficult because of lockdown what are the what have you noticed the differences between say coaching over here and coaching over there and well anything anything and what are the big differences 
Oh, there's a lot. Um, I think where to start with this question is, is really because working for the RFU, you come across so many different things and uh, yeah, you, you, you have a lot of experiences, um, yeah. but there's a rugby club every couple of miles or every 10 miles, something like that. Um, so we share a pitch in a stad park, so like the town park. Yeah. Um, amazing venue for rugby. If you, if you get the chance to come out here, say, in the summer, come. It's amazing. Um, really beautiful park. Everything's green. Hamburg's very, very green. And um, so we share that with four teams. Two of those clubs have youth sections, us and St. Pauli. Um, and then we, we train somewhere called Barnvish, um, which is a little bit out in the sticks for the, for the city. It's quite hard to get to, but um, it's a good pitch nonetheless. And they're just uh, the, the band, which is like the Kent RFU, in effect, have secured another pitch in Horn, which is about a 15-minute bus journey away from where I'm currently at in the minute. So, you know, th there's, there's a lot of differences. I think um, we found out there was more uh, Quidditch teams in Hamburg than there are rugby teams. Quidditch. Um, so, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, there's... Um, wow. There's, there's a lot of differences. Um, now, a lot of that is... Hamburg is full of expats. Yeah. Um, it's about 1.8 million people in the population. Um, but it is full of expats from France, particularly because of Airbus is a massive company and, and therefore Spanish, Spanish speakers are, are very um, prevalent here as well. Uh, but we have people all over the world. So we played a game in October and the back three were speaking Spanish. The midfield was speaking French. The nine and ten were speaking uh, English. The forwards were speaking German, apart from the second rows who were Is speaking English. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and I love it. I, I think it's great yeah. because there's so much you can do. Um, and you've just got this sort of cooking pot of rugby experiences from all over the world. And they all have their ideals of how rugby should be. Now, when I came here, sort of German society is very status driven almost from in my experiences so far. I might be wrong because I've, I've only been here sort of, uh, you know, seven months and um, most of that's been in a room <laughs> but um, coaching wise it was very much you know you're the coach you tell us what to do mm. and that's not me I'm not a you know I might look like a big bloke behind a camera but I'm about two foot tall and most of that is hair anyway so um, I'm not some I'm not going to stand up and give a massive speech it's not who I am and I like people I, I'm a people person. I I enjoy working with people and finding out about them and getting the best out of them. That that's sort of what gets me out of bed in the morning. And um, yeah, it's taken quite a bit of time. Um, they were previously told how to play, where to be at every single part of the rugby pitch. 
there was no sort of thought. It was, you know, but if you were to coach, you you were playing a game of FIFA, really. You you just sat there and it did its thing. Um, and we've taken a group of players from that to making decisions and making decisions under pressure, which, you know, sort of five years ago was being preached very heavily in the UK. Um, so that's where we're at. And we played Aarhus, who are Danish champions, I believe. Um, and yeah, we played really well. We gave the players a, a framework to play under, which, you know, didn't sort of give them too many decisions to make. And uh, but yeah, they they played really well. They 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 did what uh, what we wanted them to do, and um, we're still reaping the rewards from that. And players are still buzzing from that performance as well. And that was in October, so we must have done something all right. <laughs> and, yeah, it's um, interesting you yeah. say that because I the whole uh, being preached and being dictated to. I found that when I went to Antwerp, like. I came over with a different approach of sort of a bit, you know, like you, you, I'm sure, just a bit let them make their decisions and they struggled with it when I was sort of letting them get on with it. Have I lost you? Have I lost you? The first team were separate from the second team. Yeah. So, like, the first team were like the golden boys. You didn't touch them. They had their own kit, their own ways of doing stuff. That, like the first team, second team had different design of kit. Yeah. Um, and my first thing before I even got here, I was like, oh. like boys, you're all, you're all training. <laughs> you're all training together at these times. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realise what a change that was for them. Um, mm. But, you know, we're reaping the rewards from it, you know, we had our record is 52 players at training, wow. which when you've got one pitch is a absolute logistical nightmare. Yeah. Um, and actually, even during lockdown, the club's growing, which is really, really weird. <laughs> we're, we're growing. We're, we've got more inquiries of people joining us and, and people who want to take part. And yeah, it's, um, it's a really fun, exciting project. The, the potential is huge and some of the players we have I'll be honest I, I wish I'd found them about five years ago because um, they'd, they'd be pretty tasty uh, about now um, yeah <laughs> do, you, do you what's it like with a language barrier is there a language barrier I know I didn't really have one in, in Belgium really they all spoke and understood basic English so I don't know if it's like in Germany so the majority of people speak fluent English, or yeah. if not fluent, incredibly well, better than my English. Put it I that must way. Admit, um, it, it used to put me to shame when I used to talk to my assistant, yeah. and he was talking like French, English, Dutch. Yeah, like I can only talk English, and it's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, I don't think we, you don't realise until you um, go abroad of yeah. what you know, the flaws of our sort of education system are. Um, oh, don't society. get me started on that one, mate. That's <laughs> a, during my PGC, that's another completely different... Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I completely agree, and that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So um, there, there is a bit. and Like I say, there's a million different languages going on, and 
that's part of who we are and we make fun of it as well because we've learned as a group you know English people my mum taught me to say please and thank you and hold the door open for people yeah and that's not a German thing to do you don't really say please and thank you <laughs> and I, I was getting wound up like when I came here I was opening the door for people and people just walked past me and I was going steam was coming out my ears um <laughs> <laughs> no god these people were so rude but it's, it's just how they are so we've learned to laugh at the stuff that gets gets stuck in translation and uh, in, because ultimately if people are turning up to training sessions or sending you a whatsapp message they're investing your top their time in you yeah and uh, ch- chances are they're not doing that because they're upset they're, they they want to understand something a bit differently and we've got one spanish lad who doesn't speak any english um so he puts everything in the translator and some of the stuff that comes back like we we talk about formula one a lot together and um some of the stuff that comes back like it's comedy gold absolute comedy gold i think he was set so we're talking about um someone hadn't performed very well in the first grand prix and he said oh i think it was sebastian vettel's got an allergy or something like that <laughs> and, <laughs> which the British humour that's actually quite funny but yeah. it's not anything he means to say so mm-hmm. um, yeah <laughs> oh, I wonder what you're going to say about Spanish because I remember I, we, we had a Spanish guy um, at Antwerp and he came in the second season and he was you know as you say that you know if they're late or whatever they're investing the time he always used to be late like everything and it I never used to get, I just used to make a joke out of it. I think I actually remember one time we, we, he was late for a meeting when we had to go for an away game. We just hid that. We just hid. We just hid for about 10 minutes and trying to find us. But it, you've got to adapt to all these different different cultures, haven't you? It's uh, it's really interesting. I, I loved it. I, I really loved coaching over in Belgium. It was a great experience. I, I think for me, as a it's been very and it, it's been a really good experience to sort of sit there and go look these are the, these are my principles these are the ways i'm gonna do things yeah um and you know they may change because i learned stuff from you guys from you know the environment whatever um and if you're late it like i i'm still going to be employed by the club as long as i'm doing a good job if yeah. you're late you're getting worse and someone's going to take your shirt. That's not my problem. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's simple as that. But So Antwerp, like, cool city. I've never been, but it's, it appears to be a cool city. Yeah. What, um, what was the, the sort of uh, the, the club's membership like there? Were they... Belgians were they expats? Many Belgians, actually many Belgians, and very few really. For for a city as diverse as Antwerp, which I found out, we had very few expats. We had as the Mm. second season, we I think I found well, I say I found we had an English guy who didn't play much, but he he loved it. Um, And the ref were sort of French, but um, a lot of students they sort of they come and study in Belgium then kind of 
go away. There's a lot more emphasis in, in Antwerp on or in Belgium on education and it's important to them. But so okay. we had a lot of French, a um, couple of Spanish, um, and mainly mainly Belgians actually. They're mainly all Belgians. Okay. Uh, okay. It, it was you know, it was cool. I mean, they, they were they were a good young team. They're a good young team. They're, they're, I mean, the average age of like 24. Um, right. Okay, that's good. <laughs> for 10 years. And unfortunately, the, we had a lot of injuries and whatever. But I mean, the, the, the lads were awesome. I mean, it, it, was, it was a really enjoyable experience. And they were always keen to learn. And yeah, they, it, it was brilliant. Um, the, the, only, the only thing that I think was whether, I don't know if it was financial, but we didn't, we weren't able to promote the club enough to get more more players in, um, and I think the problem is in in Belgium. I don't know if it's like in in Germany, but hockey is huge, huge in Belgium, yeah. and it's huge in in Antwerp. So you're competing with football, big football, the world number one, um, hockey, and so I used to say to some people, "I'm a rugby coach," and they're like, "Oh, rugby in Antwerp? Never heard of it." Like, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, same same experience. I mean, I used to be quite crafty. I don't, I don't. Um, I used to do delivery as a part time job, and I used to oh, make. Yeah. I made while well, I got them all on Vistaprint some business cards, and every time I went out for delivery, I put an Antwerp business card in the in the delivery <laughs> to promote the club. I thought, well, you know, I don't know how many we got from that, but um, it's quite unique. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's like in Germany, but. There's a real emphasis on the full club. So Antwerp, we have to have two men's teams. You have to have a ladies' team. Um, and oh, right, have, okay. And you have to have age groups, under 18s, under 16s, every two years downwards. And they that, that to be in the National League, you have to have that. If you're not, if you don't have that, you kind of don't get the chance to go up. They, yeah. You have to have, and it, it, we struggle with it, but on a game day, you barely had to have 40 players available, two squads of 20. Right. Um, and <laughs> you, I mean, it was, God, you can't do it here. You, well, Aiden didn't play, but we used to have a situation where you'd play for the second team and you might have to be on the bench for the first team and play a bit of first team afterwards because it's the only way you, and yeah, things like that. I was like thinking, there's so much better way of doing this. You don't need to have a 25 man squad. Just have like a 18 man squad and stuff. But yeah, they were very. They're very much world rugby rules. That they're, they're they're very governed by. It. Very referees are very strict by it as well. But you know, it's, it's their yeah. way, isn't it? I mean, we there's certain league rules here as well. Like ten of the the match day squads. Match day squads 22, which yeah, to be honest yeah, is we had, yeah. Far too big, um, oh, particularly if you like they're trying to grow second team rugby, it's far too big, in my opinion. Um, but it, it's also an opportunity because you can use it to blood new players to try new things. Um, yeah. so that, that's one thing, but yeah, the the band president recently was speaking, uh, released a, an article into a, a fan website rugby website called total rugby and um he was sort of saying like everyone in the the bundesliga should have certain targets where they have exceptional all the way down uh women's teams and like yes i agree with that um i do think that takes a significant investment and a significant amount of time because 
football in Germany, I believe the football uh, federation of the band is the biggest in the world um, yeah. of, of any federation. So in terms of membership and football is everywhere. So you have like Volkspark Stadium here, which is how far as uh, stadium and all around it, there's just millions of football pitches. Mm. And like you well know, we've discussed millions of times that when we worked in schools, football is so accessible and so easy. It yeah. takes no, like we used to do it. I learned it at primary school because you'd someone to stick down some jumpers and it'd be like 25 feet, 35. And you knew who was on each other's teams. You knew roughly what the score was and you just ran around and played. Mm. Um, rugby, you can't. You can't do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is with Germany, football's huge. Hockey is ginormous. Tennis is huge. Rowing is huge. Mm. And I live in a city full of rivers and canals. So rowing is massive. Um, yeah. And who knows what COVID's impact, lasting impact will have on society you know, I suspect people will have to work as many hours as they can. Mm. Um, but that's just my opinion. I, I'm not, you know, Mystic Meg looking at my crystal ball. It's um, it's all up in the air at the minute. So uh, yeah, it, it's it'd be it's really interesting that Antwerp is similar. Yeah, um, and I like I like the idea of slipping in um, business cards. So I, I might pinch that. Yeah, um, I, I just or my... try and find ways of promoting the club. You know, just different. Um... It's just my way of trying to just find something different to do that I could just do cheaply. Um, so I'm not sure it worked, but it, it, it's an idea. If you don't try it, you don't know, do you? Exactly. And like you, I used to wear I used to wear uniform. I used to wear Antwerp everywhere. Just I'd go on Antwerp rugby on my back and just just to hopefully engage people and ask a question. I mean, although yeah. I must admit, there's one one silly well funny story is there's two teams in there's two football teams in Antwerp that are quite big. Berthcott and Antwerp, and they are bitter, bitter rivals. Now, our club was based near Berthcott, and I remember one night after training, I came, I got on the tram, and they just had a game. And obviously, my top had an Antwerp rugby club on, but no one could see the rugby bit, and they didn't understand it. Like some of the looks I got, I thought, I'm not going to get out of this. <laughs> I'm not going out of this tram alive. So I thought, I just got off the tram, but I'm not doing that. So... But yeah, it's, uh, it, it it is worth trying. It's just trying to promote it somehow. It's just it's hard, isn't it? Like I said, when you've got other competition of other sports, it's um yeah, it's very difficult. And I, I mean, I didn't know if if any a couple of years ago whether it was by default or own, but Germany obviously nearly got to the World Cup, didn't they? So I don't know if that had a. I mean, they got to the rep charge, but I don't know if that had. Yeah. A, I don't know if that had a uh, impact on growth or anything like that. Um, probably, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think probably not as much as people hoped. Um, someone told me a crazy fact, but the, the countries that viewed the Rugby World Cup the most was Japan and Germany was like second or third, something yeah. crazy like that. Um, it, I mean, there is an appetite here. And if you look at the way, well, Northern Germans, it's all I can refer to because I've, not done any of the games across the country yet but if you look at the way they are built they're definitely 
could be very good rugby players. Um, but one of the things, and, and interestingly, I went, I went to Italy in January, February. Um, it's probably spreading coronavirus about, but, <laughs> you know, um, just one of the things that really stuck out was there is no school sports up until secondary school or high school, they refer to it. And here in Germany, it's very similar. The school day starts at around eight o'clock, give or take. Um, and it goes until like one or two in the afternoon. And then they have sort of two, three hours where they can go to like extra homework club or extra science club. Or, and sport is something that is there, but you... It's not enforced. Um, and that's, you know, that for me, I used to love playing sport at school. It was great. But you'd have a few hours a week dedicated to it. You'd just be looking forward to it the whole week. Um, and I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but, you know, just for hand-eye coordination, movement, just wellness, getting out and moving around is so important. And I just, my point being, I just feel that, you know, if you have that, as your model, um, then you are probably going to be behind the curve to everyone else. And now in Italy, it was the clubs had to take it, take the responsibility for delivering school rugby, um, any sort of sport, the clubs did it all, mm. which is harsh because if they're volunteers and they're not, they're not paid to do it, it's, it's really harsh and a lot of those schools had no outdoor facilities it's the same here in Germany um, but unless you are you know a talented individual genetically you're, you're a monster then you're probably not going to be there's not that much of a drive to push you into sport and that for me is quite sad because there's sports giving me so many memories give me a job <laughs> at the end of the day it's giving me a job and um yeah i think that's it's sad and uh yeah there's there's so much potential that is just floating around not doing anything um and that's actually really exciting as well so what just finish off we've only got about coming left what would you what do you think the future looks like? Or do you, what, what do you think you're going to, where do you think you could end up going in the future? You know, what, what do you think? Or are you going to see what happens post COVID? Um, like to play a game of rugby. <laughs> yeah, that's true, isn't it? Like, like, to, like to have training back and like to play uh, some games and sort of see the fruition of the work. And that, that for me is quite important. Um, I'd like to sort of, make sure that HRC, so Hamburger Rugby Club, has really grown and developed the way it has the potential to. Yeah. You know, so 10 years ago, I think one of the members was sort of saying it, the membership was around 100. We're now close to 400. Um, so there's a huge growth. The women's team in two years have gone from uh, four members to, I think it's 45 you know and they they've come up with novel ideas through tinder and tiktok and all the rest of it you know and sandra who who sort of heads up that section has done an, an incredible job nico with the the youth started off with a similar number 
10 years ago and those under 18s who are just about to turn 18 years old are going to come into the senior section so you know the growth is massive i think there's uh combined it's about 1500 people play rugby in hamburg we've got 1.8 million people yeah. to to get hold of 100,000 of those are students at the university of hamburg yeah that's one university there's loads of universities here so the potential of growth is absolutely staggering and you know i don't like to blow my own trumpet but working for the rfu we grew a lot of teams out of a lot less and that's really really exciting um so yeah the the future is is really really you know like i said i keep saying it's exciting and that's that's what gets me out of bed in the morning um, I, think I agree with that i think when i did um last year i did some university general work in in flanders in belgium and that was the growth the, the the opportunity is huge like if they get the right setup in the university and there was no rugby there you know that and you get the right support from the governing body then there is an opportunity to get more players in the game it's just creating those opportunities and like i said you're perfect you've got you've got the experience to do it um so it's an exciting time isn't it yeah yeah absolutely um but one, one thing i will say that sort of hampers rugby here is you know and you know how frustrating this was is there's a coaching course in maidstone and i live in seven oaks whatever and people were complaining about that but or they've got to go and travel an hour for a game and that's too far like if you go from here to berlin it's three and a half hours oh, yeah we had that in berlin <laughs> was here the first few weeks you could have asked them to to be at the gym for five in the morning they'd all be there um but ask them to you know work on their handling or you know something like that they, they wouldn't really know where to start that's sort of what we're dealing with at the minute they're committed boys and i love them to pieces they're they're amazing um really really great group and a great club as well I've been open to a lot of change and a lot of uh, suggestions and improvements. So. Cool. So, and just finish off, what, what one bit of advice would you give to someone who's thinking about going to coach abroad, if we're allowed to? Do it. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Um, oh, that's all right. And, well, just do it. <laughs> I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen after six months? You decide you have to get a plane ticket and come home but you've probably experienced a new culture, worked on a new language, met loads of amazing people. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. Like, go and do it. Yeah. Go and do it. And yeah, as long as it's not sort of cowboy country and you're going to be taken for a ride. Uh, and if I wasn't in Germany, I would have been in China. Um, so I was interested that you, you've got yeah, someone from yeah. China on. Yeah, we had a good chat earlier. So, uh, And, you know, the, I had the contracts in front of me, but when they sort of said, no, the, uh, the lockdown will be over next week and there's been no deaths from COVID in China, I was a bit like, okay, <laughs> this may not be all that good an idea to, um, 
to to crack on with. But yeah, as long as you've got the the right opportunity, go and do it. Definitely, I hundred percent agree with that. 